0: Church, we're beginning today some weeks of casting vision for 2020. We're getting ready for increase in 2020. And last year, when I did a series of messages casting the vision of this ministry, Victory Faith Church, I called it the importance of the local church, and its outreaches. But this year, I've made the title a prayer. It's actually a prayer that we're going to speak to the Lord. And so this year, as we cast vision for 2020, I'm calling our messages, Lord, how can we be more useful to you? Lord, how can we be more useful to you? In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, in the New King James Version, Paul is writing, and verse 11 says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me ministry. Church, certainly none of us want the testimony we're useless in ministry. That's not the testimony that we want, but we want uh, the same testimony that Mark had with the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul saying, send for Norman because he is useful to me in ministry? Are having that said about you. Now think about how much greater it is for the Lord Jesus to have this testimony about this church and the good works that we do on behalf of the increase of the kingdom of God. That's our call, church it's our call individually, it's our call as the body of Christ that we do those good works that God has foreordained for us to do. That's why increase is very significant. Personal increase is very significant. But church-wide, ministry-wide increase is also very significant. Because that should mean that our good works for the kingdom of God increase. And so Paul said of John Mark, bring him, John Mark, Mark, because he is useful. Everyone say useful. Let's say that again with more faith. Useful. See, God wants, and it's God's will... For us as a church and as a ministry to be useful to him in the kingdom of God. Take that word useful. Oh, I know you know the word. But I want you to take it as a primary word for 2020. And just be examining our lives and examining our good works ask yourself the question how useful am I to Jesus in the good works of the kingdom or in ministry so this is what we desire for victory faith church in 2020 that we would be more useful to the Lord in this coming year in ministry You know, the word that I received, I know the Lord will enlarge it. In fact, he's already enlarging it through the casting of vision in the next few weeks. But the word for 2020 is increase. The Father wants us to increase inwardly and outwardly if we're going to increase in 2020 church it's very important that we take that individually personally take that word personally and commit yourself to do whatever it takes for you to increase inwardly in 2020 so that we may increase outwardly the word increase now this is could be a whole 15 or 20 part series, just teaching on increase. But the word increase means growth. It means to be over and above. It means abundance. It means to advance. Church, we definitely want to advance from where we are today. And it means to produce. What are we producing in the kingdom of God? It is God who gives increase. Let's say that together. It is God who gives increase. Let's say it one more time. It is God who gives increase. 1 Corinthians three seven, in the New King James says... So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. It is God who gives the increase. I also read it in the Passion Translation, and it's wonderful. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who who brings the supernatural growth. So that's a wonderful definition of increase. Supernatural growth. And that means inwardly as an individual as well as outwardly in the good works of the kingdom of God. Now there's something about increase that Needs to be understood. It's not, it's not uh, automatic. It will take faith. It will take obedience. It will take commitment. But here's something very important about increase. Increase will take vision from God. It takes vision from God to increase. So I want you to take... Very seriously, the messages that are going to be brought forth in the next several weeks. Vision. Now, how do we receive vision? Well, fundamentally, vision comes through revelation of God's Word. Vision comes through revelation of God's Word. Because we have to trust in God's Word before any heavenly vision is fulfilled. So if we're going to increase as a congregation, that means it's very important for us to understand we need a vision for increase. How do we get a vision for increase? It will take receiving God's word into our heart because God works through his word. Habakkuk 2 and verses 1 through 4 are very significant when we're believing God for vision because, well, the whole book of Habakkuk is wonderful, but there are some significant steps here. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4 in the Amplified, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the tower, and I will keep watch to see what he the father will say to me, and what answer I will give as his spokesman when I'm reproved or instructed. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and engrave it plainly on clay tablets so that the one who reads it will run. For the vision is yet for the appointed future time, It hurries toward the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail. Even though it delays, wait patiently for it. Because it will certainly come, it will not delay. So it's very important that we write the vision. It's very, very important that we understand that we receive vision in the present, but it always guides us toward the future. And that, that's not to say that uh, the vision will be fulfilled shortly. Very often, there are elements of vision that are years in fulfilling. Now, verse 4 is very important. Look at the proud one. His soul is not right within him. But the righteous will live by his faith in the true God. Church, this is very important, and it's being spoken about vision, that a proud person may think they're capable of of accomplishing uh, a vision for God, but the truth of the matter is the righteous are used to fulfill the vision of God, the will of God, because of faith in God. So for a vision... To be fulfilled, it will take the exercise of faith, hearing the Word, receiving the Word in our hearts, putting the word in our mouth in prayer in petition in supplication in, in a declaration and so forth, it will take the word of God for vision to be fulfilled. <clears throat> Vision is the bridge between the present and the future. If we're going into the future, into the increase God has for us, vision is the bridge between the present and the future. Without vision, the Bible tells us we will perish and we will not experience God's will for our lives How many of you want God's will to be fulfilled? Just wave your hand at me. Well, it will take vision from God for His will to be fulfilled in your life. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 in the uh, Passion Translation says, When there is no clear prophetic vision, People quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. What a dynamic scripture that is. For prophetic vision to be fulfilled, we're told clearly in this scripture, it will take revelation of the word. It will take revelation of the word. For a vision to be fulfilled, church, it will also require sacrifice. It will require sacrifice. In other words, we're going to have to lay down our lives for vision to be fulfilled. Fulfilling vision is the purpose of sacrifice. Why do we make sacrifices? Because we're part of fulfilling a vision. It will take a sacrifice of time to fulfill God's vision for us in 2020. It will take a sacrifice of of energy, uh, a a financial sacrifice. There is no fulfilling a vision without the sacrifice of God's people. Let me say this about vision. This is a key to identifying a vision from God. It always involves God's redemptive will. Vision from God always involves his redemptive will. His purpose for us and and the good works he instructs us to do is so that his redemptive plans For our lives can be fulfilled. Both personally, as a church, God has redemptive plans for us. And then as a nation, God has redemptive plans for Kenya. So a vision from God will always involve his redemptive plans. What is redemption? Just a reminder, we've been taught on this. But redemption is, number one, the price Jesus paid to uh, buy us back, so to speak, to redeem us out of the kingdom of darkness and translate us into the kingdom of God's dear Son. But number two, church, redemption means to be restored to the will of God. It's not enough to be born again. That's uh, a great part of God's plan of redemption. But also, a very great part of God's plan of redemption is to restore us to His will, His original intent and purpose for our lives. So, we are redeemed, we're being redeemed. And we will ultimately be redeemed. But we're living in the part of telling others the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they may experience redemption. And we're also living the, in the part of being redeemed. God working righteousness into our lives. Redemption is God's promise to the believer that we're Saved from the penalty of sin when we're born again. Now that we're born again, we're being saved from the power of sin by the work of the Holy Spirit. And then in the future, church, we will even be saved from the very presence of sin. We will live our future in the eternal realm of glory. But when we're saved from the penalty and the power of sin, church, we're saved unto God's blessing. So it's not just being saved out of, but what are we saved into? We're saved into the blessing of God. We're blessed to be a blessing. Church, let's say that together. We are blessed to be a blessing. Put your hand over your heart as we receive vision for 2020. Say, I am blessed to be a blessing. That is fundamental to receiving vision from God. We're redeemed out of, but we're re- also redeemed into the blessing. Of God. So here is a major key about receiving a vision from God is God has been so merciful to us. He's been so good and so gracious to us. How are we we responding to His mercy? How are we responding to His goodness? We respond by sharing uh, redemption with others. We respond by becoming engaged in the good works of the kingdom that impact the lives of others with God's redeeming power. Now let's look at Victory Faith Church's vision statement as we go forward in receiving vision from God. Do we have our New vision statement up there, loving others first. There we go. This is our vision statement. Do you like it? Loving others first. Not loving ourselves first. Not loving our own life first. But this is the vision for Victory Faith Church. Loving others first through kindness, generosity, and compassion. Could we say this together, church? Ready? Loving others first through kindness, generosity, and compassion. Today, we're going to uh, highlight one of the primary ministries of Victory Faith Church, which is Kenya Student Christian Fellowship. And right there uh, at the bottom of the screen are some pictures of our missioners, those who are part of Kenya Student Christian Fellowship from this congregation. Look at the high school students. That they are ministering to? What have, what have our missioners done? They've laid down their life, they've sacrificed their time, their finances, and gone into one school after another, telling them the story of God's love and his power to redeem them from sin, from darkness, from pain, from the curse, and so on and so forth. Loving others first through kindness, generosity, and compassion. So let me just briefly state the vision of Victory Faith Church. Now, number one, teach and preach the word of God in order to equip the church to live godly, fruitful Christian lives which impact the culture of the nation. That's Step number one of the vision. Number two, provide skilled, spirit-led praise and worship. Thank you guys for praise and worship today. That ministers to the heart of the Lord. That's a capital L there. And changes the lives of the worshipers. Hallelujah. So we want spirit-filled, spirit-led praise and worship. That is a major Part of the vision of this ministry. Number three, evangelize and equip the next generation through outreach and education. Number four, provide anointed, dynamic children's church and youth ministry. Number five, engage in compassionate works of mercy, especially on behalf of Israel, orphans, and widows. Church, this is the vision of Victory Faith Church. All the good works we're involved in fall under one or sometimes even more of these elements of vision. And as I said today, we're highlighting the work of Kenya Student Christian Fellowship. I love KSCF. I love this ministry. I love this work so much. It's a fruitful ministry that we partner with, and uh, we're thrilled to do so. In 2015, I was praying, and just a prayer, a simple prayer, I, I didn't really expect an immediate response, but it was like the Lord was just waiting for me to ask this. And I said, Lord, is there anything we're not doing that you would have us do. And right just straight back, he said, evangelism. We had done evangelistic things in the past, but not continued in them for one reason and another. So I began listening for what the Lord would reveal. And church, one week later, say one week later, Gladys Mukami came to me, and she had begun. I think you were... uh, Not employed at that time. You were volunteering at KSCF. And she told me about the ministry. And I got excited. And uh, KSCF has uh, government authorization to go into secondary schools because the government of Kenya was very concerned about false teaching and heresies being taught in the secondary schools. So I really respect the action that the government took to allow approved schools to go into the secondary schools of Kenya and um, teach the Word of God, lead students to Christ. And I think that the outreach of KSCF is so impactful. I've read these statistics a number of times. Every once in a while, I check up on their latest findings. But statistically, 82% of high school students who graduate from high school never receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you leave high school and you are not born again before you leave high school, 82% will never be born again. That touches me deeply. And so we, we've been trained, and uh, we have made KSCF one of the primary ministries of, This church, and we want to do more in 2020 than we've ever done before. And I feel to say this is a very urgent ministry. I believe we should receive this vision of going into high schools and teaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, discipling, and mentoring our high school students, because every year we've got thousands who graduate from high school and they've never received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And church, they, 82%, statistically, it says, statistics say, they will go out into eternity without Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. And we can do something about that. Church, I want you to receive that. We can do something about that. In fact, let me make it more imperative. We must do something about that. And let me say this. We must do more than we've ever done in the past. May I hear an amen. Receive this part of our vision with a great sense of urgency. I was reading John 4 and verse 35 in a number of translations, but I quite love the way the Passion Translation put this. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why would you say... Now, I I can just... I can just imagine he did not, he was speaking very passionately and there was a lot of emphasis and, and he had the attitude, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time for their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. Let's say that last phrase together, ready for a spiritual harvest. Church, there's a natural harvest, but there is a spiritual harvest. And there's a great spiritual harvest to be reaped in the year 2020. And we as Victory Faith Church want to be in the harvest fields reaping souls for the kingdom of God. This is urgent business. Would you say an amen, church? This is urgent business. And now, church, I want to ask each one of you to stand, please. And would you help me give Mr. Joseph Odingo, the General Secretary of KSCF, a warm Victory Faith welcome, Mr. Odingo.
1: Wow. Say wow. What a privilege to come. You may be seated. Uh, I sincerely count it a privilege to come and be part of you this morning. Uh, we've been talking with Gladys, and we say that it is a really, really a blessed thing ever for a church like this to have such a clear vision, uh, such a clear concern about young people in our nation. And uh, Victory Faith Church since since 2015 has been very consistent in supporting and uh, participating in the student work through KSCF, and I want really to thank you for that. Hallelujah. And I want to thank Pastor Carla for such a passion and a commitment together with the team that uh, works here. One of the reasons I came was not really to talk to you, but we felt coming here to say thank you for partnership and working together with Kenya Street, Kenya Fellowship. We really really thank God for you. And I think this is the first church. We have about 10 churches that work with us, but this is the only church which creates time once per year for KCF to come and share what is happening in schools. You are the only church. Hallelujah. Thank you, so much. It is a great time, and I want just to show you what, when you, are, when you want to make this as part of your vision for 2020, and I believe it is not just for 2020, it is 2020 and beyond, isn't it? So I, I thought to give it a much broader look so that really, you know what, you are coming in to do. See, ministries are calling. Ministry is God putting a burden in your heart. And those who made great transformation in their generation are those men and women who saw the need. And they answer the call, if I don't meet this need, who will meet it? If I don't go, who will go? You see, Isaiah was asked that question many years ago. God asked Isaiah, who shall go for us? And Isaiah said in chapter 6, here I am, send me. But you see, God is no longer asking that question. That question of who shall go for us is no longer relevant. The relevant question is, if I don't go, then who will? That's the only question. If I don't go, then, if I don't do it, then who will will do it? That's the question that you and I are called to ask and to answer. High school ministry. So what is high school ministry? Or what is high school mission? High school mission is a student ministry dedicated to helping teenagers experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. It is going out there to help them experience a life-changing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Focus is building students to be able to carry out ministry among their peers. So the overall goal in high school work is to invest your life in the student so that the student themselves can rise up and do ministry among their peers. That's the call. Part of your mission, part of the vision of the church is to change the culture of the nation, isn't it? So that's the key to changing the culture of a nation. When you leave a school, then you're leaving behind students, boys and girls, who are able to pass on the values, the lifestyle, the beliefs you have put in them to their peers. It's sim- simply put, high school ministry is Adult Christ followers showing students how to follow Jesus Christ. Because they are young, they need an adult to go and demonstrate to them what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ. That's what is called high school mission. It's not about gathering students in the hall and entertaining them. That's the culture we have today but laboring in one school until when you are done, you can say that school A is safe because now students themselves are able to carry on what I was supposed to do. Change the slide. The need of high school ministry. One of the needs of high school ministry is on the numbers. Uh, our leaders here are very relevant because they were giving us the numbers. You know, if you want to lead people, you must have the numbers. You must be very accurate with your statistics. That's part of preaching. 2017, our high school absorbed a million students. 794,000 students were admitted. That was about 84% of the number that sat. 2018, the number that sat class eight was 1 million 552. Other people sat class eight, and the government policy now is that they have what we call 100% transition, meaning the whole a million students were expected to join Form One this year. And by March, the government was very clear that. Only 150,000 students could not be traced into the high schools. Meaning the the policy of 100% transition is being achieved. That's something to point about. Meaning our high schools are receiving so many students. And if you don't lay a clear structure in the school environment to capture them, preach to them, and transform them, convert them into Christianity, the impact is that so many of them will leave high school without ever coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. As we are today, if you go to any school in Kenya and you ask how many students are born again, these are students who know the faith they can defend the faith, and they can share their faith with their fellow peers. If you go to any school in Kenya, the number cannot go beyond 10%. So think about this. This year, by the end of this year, high schools shall have released 660,000 students from four-leavers. At the end of November... 27 660,000 high schoolers will be passed on into the world only 10% of them are born again that's 66,000 then here in Kenya we are wondering why al-shabab is taking over we are wondering why corruption is taking root we are wondering why morality is increasing. We are wondering why there's a lot of divorce and other social impact in our lives. This happens because we are carefully losing our generation at the school level. Committed Christians in any university, if you go to any university in Kenya, and you ask how many are committed Christians who attend Sunday service, they are involved in evangelism, they are living for Christ, again, in any university in Kenya, the number cannot go beyond 10%. See, sometimes back I was preaching in Egerton University, And after preaching, I asked the CEO leaders, what's the population of the students here? They said about 20,000 students are in Egerton University. Then they asked them, what is the number committed? They said about 2,000. So go to any university. Meaning, if you're going to change universities with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is no longer possible to preach at the university level If you want to change universities, you do it at the school level. If you are going to change the culture of our nation, then you must look at that. But look at the forces. If you look at the forces that seek to destroy students, these people are working every minute and they put all their resources to this end. look at 10 over 10. It's a program in our television. They look at how many companies are financing 10 over 10. Look at how many much millions they put into that program. Any program look at, Beat Church Live. Where they speak lies and they want to, young people to believe that is the way to make money. Look at how many people, many companies are supporting such a program. Yet look at how many people are involved in supporting programs, very transformative programs like KACF. The number nationally cannot go beyond 300. Agents of wickedness. Jesus said, the children of this world are more clever. So what is the state of high school students in Kenya? If you look at high school students today, you'll find young adolescents are in constant attack of the enemy. The greatest battle ever fought was not World War I and World War II the greatest battle was never the first and second World War II's. The greatest battle which has ever been fought is the battle to win the soul of young people and dedicate them to the Lord. That's the biggest battle. Not many nations in the world are skilled at fighting that battle. The Western world, they tried to put this battle, you know, look at a nation like America, was founded on Christianity. For years, the presidents that came up in that nation were Christians. They tried to fight this battle, but they lost it. Because today, as we speak, preaching is not allowed in schools. The only thing they fight to remove from their schools From their young people is not Satanism, it's Christianity. That's what they fight. So, not many nations are skilled at winning this battle. The battle that will ensure that young people grow up dedicated, committed to the Lord, is not an easy battle to fight. Many people, they try, they lose it. We are as vulnerable as any other country if it don't rise and fulfill the call. We are vulnerable. The enemy of our lives is not concerned with the 70, with the 50, with the 60-year-olds. The enemy of your soul is concerned with the children before they are born. Students are carefully being cultured to view right as wrong and wrong as right. See, that's what 10 over 10 does. It brings a lifestyle. In that lifestyle, they put before young girls and boys. They can dance, demonstrate sex on the television. It is a discotheque international TV (laughs) so they take what is right put it as wrong take what is wrong put it as what that's the most powerful tool the devil uses all over the world when you look at program like Churchill live on your TV on Sunday like today they wait until you come from church This man come before you to make fun. They call it laugh industry. So what he says, which causes people to laugh, if you take it and measure it with the truth, it's a big lie. What he has said is not only a lie, it is an impossibility. Because the enemy uses such avenues to reposition the mind of the child. So our schools, if you go to our schools, you have young boys and girls trying to radical other tribes. They try to make fun because they are copying a culture which has been brought to them and that culture is satanic, it's deceitful, very destructive. And I'm saying this, the greatest threat facing Kenya is not Al-Shabaab. The greatest threat facing Kenya is not weapon of mass destruction. But what faces us is when children are raised knowing good as bad and bad as good. That's the biggest threat. The biggest threat facing you and I is when young people are, grow, are growing up and their minds are programmed to view right as wrong and wrong as as right. That's the greatest. You see, For that, this Al Shabaab, which took over the hotel in Westlands, the oldest was 28 years. The youngest was 21. Four of them took, took captive a whole hotel. Even the armies of the government had to take time before they captured the place. Several hours. What had happened to those young boys? Somebody had programmed their mind to view right as wrong. And wrong as what? Media industry is the greatest catalyst in changing student behavior because they present evil as good and good as evil. And the the result, that's why you see teenage pregnancy. Because teenage pregnancy is a dedication of somebody's life has been twisted. The foundation, the biblical foundation of raising them, their bodies and living in sexual purity and keeping their virginity has been destroyed. So you're not dealing with a teenage planet. It's not the crisis. The crisis is a generation is growing up which think I can have sex before marriage and it's normal. Much of the information, the lifestyle around them, the music they listen to, the music videos they watch, that's the culture. Suicidal tendency. Young people growing up thinking that there's no meaning in life. Increased murders. Recruitment into criminal gangs. Lesbianism, LGBT pressure, More students are recruited in primary schools. Drug and drug abuse, testing with adolescents for long-term profit. We know the drug dealers, they test with young people for long-term profit. One of the slogan of BAT for many years has been that if you get young people to get addicted into smoking cigarettes, then you have a long-term profit. You have a long-term profit. Devil worshippers know if they can get young people, they recruit young people, devil worshippers in class six. By the time they come to high school, they're already into the movement. Social media and its negative impact where young people are glued to their phones, their mobile phones, where they're involved in sexting, chatting with strangers. Some of those young people in Kenya, what they do, they link their life with strangers. And some of them have been murdered. This young lady from, Tanzania, from Uganda, she has been chatting with a man in Facebook from Italy. A time comes, this man tells her, I'll pay for your air ticket to Mombasa. She goes to Mombasa for one week with this man. When she came back, she lived in Nairobi with her sister for three days. The third day was a Sunday. Her sister goes to, to, to church, leaves her behind. When she came back, she found her sister dead. She had committed suicide with a note to her saying, My sister, what I saw with this Italian man cannot make me continue living. So social media and its impact is changing culture, destroying lives. Things like betting and gambling. Many students, they use school fees in gambling and betting. Christians are deeply involved because they are winning and they convince themselves that will bring the tithe to the church. Some partners are promoting their members. That's no problem. Money is money. Music and videos are tools used all over the world to convert the student from obeying the parent, from obeying God, to fulfill the appetite of the producers. The sinful world know the power of music. That they can give young people a certain kind of song, if you look at that music, they preach wickedness and sin. They do not only talk sin in those music, they demonstrate it before the students. So you find young girls and young boys growing up copying the lifestyle of the artist. They copy artistic lifestyle. So some churches, instead of preaching the gospel to those young boys and girls, they give them the music of the world. And they convince themselves, comfort themselves, they say that, we want to bring them to the church. You use satanic song sound to bring them to the church, you will continue using that song to keep them in the church. Same-sex agenda, where they train young people that you are born a homosexual. You are born a lesbian. Lady Gaga sings a song, Born This Way. In that song, she blames God and says, it is your God who created me, a lesbian. The music video is full of her bizarre actions. Many young girls are making this woman to be their role model. Not only that, they are taking on the spirit. Our young people are under real threat. Yet, high school ministry is not number one priority to most Kenyan Christians. That's not number one priority. High school work is even the Christian teacher in our schools. Our schools are full of Christian teachers. There are so many. But even those Christian teachers in a school, high school ministry is not their priority. And I know there are some teachers here, seated and listening to me. That's not they're, they're concerned. They can drive their churches. <laughs> they can drive their vehicles past the school hall. A vehicle passes their bus the school hall and the students are in the school, in the school hall in the, on a Sunday. And he or she does not stop to find out what's going on in the hall. Don't stop to find out who's preaching to the boys and girls. Doesn't find out do, do they then have a preacher? The only, the only struggle you hear in that hall is a some young girl struggling with the students. Shh. Shh. Keep quiet. Keep quiet. Shh. Sit down. Shh. The Christian is coming to church. Remember the story of the good Samaritan? the Levite and the priest, they passed the dead man. Where were they going? Where were they going? You can guess. They were going to Jerusalem, where the temple was, to offer sacrifices, to give Holy Communion. Yet hundreds of students, a thousand of them, are seated in the hall, no preacher, no program. So there's a great threat to our children and our future as a nation, yet this is not a, this is not as a, this is not a concern. Look at the study done by One Hope. This was done in, some few years ago. They did this among high school students. They interviewed up to 35,000 high schoolers in a school and they covered close to 4,300 schools in Kenya. One of the findings is shocking. He says while 81% believe the Bible describes moral truth, 63% believe in moral relativism, and 60% believe that lying and rule bending is necessary. That's, That's adolescent. That's not done in, in, the, in the church. Khan University in 2016, they did a survey they call Kenya Youth Survey Report. Their research found out that 50% of those youth believe it doesn't matter how one makes money as long as one does not end up in jail. 47% admire those who make money through hook or crook including hustling, yet 30% believe corruption is profitable. So the question we must ask, are we losing them or we have already lost them? That's the question. Are we losing young people or we have already lost them? You know, somebody will say, I don't care. My children go to church. They are in Christian Union. They are in Sunday school. I don't care what happens to other students. I don't, I, don't, I don't care what happens to other children. Abraham Lincoln said this word to his generation when he was president of the United States. He said that if you lose young people, to the sinful world, then we must prepare ourselves to receive young people who will rape our daughters and rape our mothers. We must also be prepared to, to receive young people who will steal from us, murder us, and kill us. So the future is not bright simply because your children are Christians. Is not. Another study gave us great hope. And this is the hope we are riding on as Kenyans, as KCF. This study showed, they were asking students, who is your greatest influencer? What or who influences you the most? This study was done in Kenya also And very encouraging, 51% said the Bible is their greatest influencer. Is that not a good news? So we we have not lost them yet. 55% mentioned parents, 52% mentioned Christian faith. That's the great hope we still have. You see, one of the churches John wrote to in Revelation chapter 2-3, he, to, he told one of the churches to strengthen what remains. So with us, we can strengthen what remains. Praise the Lord. And I think that's the passion being made here. That you as an individual, as a family, not as a group, must make a clear decision how you want to participate in this. A study by Bama Research Group found out that 77% of Christians make their decision to follow Christ before the age of 21. 77% of those who are saved, they became saved before they reached the age of 21. 21. See, my daughter is saying here, you need to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, isn't it? Meaning, if you are over 21 and you are seated here and you are not born again, the chances you are going to hell is very high. (laughs) Very high. The possibility. I'm not saying you are going to hell. I'm only saying the percentage of you making it to heaven is smaller than you making it to hell. The percentages cannot be equal. If you're ready, to, you are over 21. You know, you can come to church because you want to come to church. The fact you are coming to church doesn't mean you are saved, does not it? You can come to church for years. You can even be a leader in the church. You can be leading the choir, but you have never, your life has never come into contact with the living Savior. The chances, if you are 21 and above here, the chances you are going to hell is very high. Praise the Lord. One of the university, we did a study in the university, we found out that 70% of saved students in the university gave their lives to Jesus Christ while in high school. The danger a student faces when they leave high school without giving their life to the living savior is that they might live like that forever. That's the danger. The danger is that they cannot even imagine they cannot comfort themselves and say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus when I go to university. Because university, some of, some of those high schools are here. Listen carefully. University are compounds with no gates. There are no rules. The school where you are, there's a rule. Sunday service is a rule. And you could be going to a Sunday service in your school because it is a school rule. University, there's no school rule. You design your life. So if you fail to make that decision in high school, the chances is very high you may not make it again. It therefore means if you want to change a nation, change the students when they are in school. If you want the churches to grow and increase If you want churches to grow and increase in Kenya, spend little on the adults. Spend more on the children. Meaning as a church, there must be a clear program, a clear budget. We say that this one is going to high school. What you are doing here? Most churches don't do that. So they are thinking that they will build big buildings, E.E.N.U.C. big, there are big buildings in (laughs) Kenya. There are big buildings. Put a lot of money in that. And you know one thing? One thing is a few years from now, those big buildings will be empty. They'll be empty. Those big buildings will be turned into a museum. You know, uh, sometimes back I went to U.S. and I visited five states I went to five states. So my host is a Kenyan. One day he was showing me a big church. And he was telling me that this church used to have a thousand people. So we went to pray there one Wednesday evening. And the pastor was telling me that they have only 25 members. 25 members. Why? Because you cannot get it right until you get it right when they are young. You can't. It is this great hope that makes KCF to focus its ministry among high school students. KCF has been faithful to this call since 1958. Missionaries and Christian teachers began this ministry in 1958. The question they were asking themselves, when we are in church being preached to, who is preaching and taking care of the student when they're in school? So they gave a birth to a movement, and that movement was called Kenya Student Fellowship. For the last 60 years, we have been faithful to this task. We have never changed our vision, we have never changed anything. Any person who come on board, they built on that vision of taking programs in schools that will change and transform life. This has made us to have presence in 4,000 schools. Total number of high schools in Kenya is 9,300 high schools. We are in 4,000. That's 49% of the total number of schools in Kenya. Meaning a whopping 51% are not reached. We have presence in 218 sub-counties out of the 290 sub-counties we have in Kenya. And we have spread in 45 counties. We have expanded towards ship areas like Moyale. This year, I was in Moyale, girls, and they, our team, there had put up a camp. Put up a camp, you know? If you are praying for God to use you, one of the prayers you need to make is God to take you to Moyale. We drove from Sololo to Moyale. There was no single church. The only mosque. No church. While every preacher wanted to build a church in the city, Marsabit, huge junks of land, you don't see a church. You only see what? Mosque. With that hardship, our team has put up a camp. We are, have a camp in Tanariva. 90% of schools in Tanariva are Muslim schools. They are Muslim students. Christianity is not allowed in the schools. Their principals don't support Christian activities. Though they are Christians... Though those principals are Christians, the community around cannot allow them to support any Christian activity. We have teachers there who are Christians. So this year I met them and we organized a team. We put up a camp at Ngao Girls. Hallelujah. 214 students came. That ministry was to equip those boys and girls so that they can reach their community for Jesus. For those students in Moyale, in Tana River, to come to a national event, a camp, we have to sponsor them. And even in that camp in Tana River, 100% we raised money from friends who believe in student ministry to support their staying there for one week. The Lord is helping us. Samburu now has a vibrant team. In the month of August alone, we had thirty-nine camps and we already lined up fifteen in the month of December, November, December. Our national convention has grown so huge. We cannot contain students in one convention. We are now divided them into four. Like last this year, we had four national conventions going on. Next year the same, and every convention had close to two thousand students, and that was it. We took them through a program of training and equipping, with the hope that when these students leave our hand from these conventions, they will go back to their schools and begin to make impact among their peers. We have started what you are calling peer to peer ministry in our schools. Discipleship, which you are doing here, is part of that. But peer to peer, we are looking at how do you make a student become a disciple? Number one step. Get a student saved. How do you make him a disciple? A disciple. Then, how do you make this student, who is a disciple, make other students become disciples? How do you make a student become a leader? Then how do you make this student who, be, who, is, who has already become a leader, make other students become leaders? How do you make a student become, know how to study the Bible? See, if you go to any school in Kenya, Muslims sit in CRE classes and they defeat the Christian students in the CRE. Muslim students are doing CRA and they are defeating Christian students. Because what they tell us, the Muslim students, we know our book very well. The Quran we know. We don't need, we, we don't need effort to, to learn it more. What you don't know is the Bible. So they study the Bible to learn how they can defend themselves against the teaching of the Bible. So they will take up CRE classes majority of our students even those who are born again cannot do a memory verse some of them are here (laughs) they can't you have Muslim students in, in our schools reciting the Bible our own student can't do a memory verse they fear Muslim students more than anything else in those schools. So what we are saying in KCF, we are coming up with a program called Peer to Peer. That Peer to Peer is focusing training students on how to study the Bible and how they can train other students to study the Bible. How does a student translate what he knows and make other students practice and influence them. And we're coming up with what we call peer-to-peer ministry. We are developing a syllabus for four years. And that's one of the areas you can invest in. If you know how to develop training materials, big opportunity we have here. You can invest your life in that. We also involve in equipping and training high school ministers like you. You have been training you all along. We train teachers and professionals and churches on high school ministry. We partner with churches, a total of 12 churches are supporting KCF work in Kenya. And this church is part of us. In our partnership with Christian University. We are now in partnership with KEMU. We want to work with DESTRA to help us develop training materials to be used in high schools. Uh, Schools visitation and training of prefects and CEO leaders. These are things we do apart from organizing national convention. Ninety-eight percent of KCF workers are volunteers. They are not on payroll. When you talk about 39 camps organized nationally, they were not supported by anybody. This majority of them, this 98%, about 90% of them are Christian teachers. They give beyond their means. They labor to do this. And Kenya is only the country in the world, Kenya, is the only country in the world with a body like KCF in charge of high school ministry. You need to know this there's no country <laughs> there's no country in the world with a body like ASF. None. With such grassroots support with such grassroots leadership with such grassroots mobilization and you know one one thing This is the biggest treasure this nation has. The biggest. Every church, every church in Kenya, every Christian in Kenya need to carefully think how to invest in KSF. I'm not saying that because I'm a general secretary. You know, I was not just born and I found myself general secretary. I started by joining a team. I'm an accountant. Once a week, I would go to the head office to volunteer my professional skills to the office, because our office could not afford to pay a professional accountant. So I did that for them for years. I did. I organized conventions for the fellowship. And how did they, they did? It started one day when I was praying to God to show me where He wanted me to serve Him. And the staff room, a young a man by the name Paul Kimani was already serving God in Kisumu with KCF. He sh- just shared with me what they were doing in Kisumu, and I said, "That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do." And for twenty years now, that's what I've been doing. Why? Because life is not about what you can receive. Life is what you can give. Life is thinking how can I make my life useful? You see, Paul is telling Mark, bring Mark with me. Bring Mark with you. Because it's useful for the ministry. You remember years ago, Paul disputed with Barnabas about Mark. Isn't it? Years later, Paul says, bring him. Because he's useful for, for, for the ministry. And you see, this is the call of Christianity. The question you must be asking every day. How can I be useful for the ministry? How can I be useful for the kingdom of God? And for you to be useful is not praying. Every day, praying to receive. You see, we are training ourselves wrongly. Every day we go to prayer, the kind of prayer you are praying, God bless me. God bless my business. God bless my job. Bless my wife. Bless my children. Bless, bless me. Me, I, myself, everything about that. There's no missionary who came to Kenya and prayed that prayer. 2013, Kenya celebrated 50th year anniversary. Do you remember that? 2013. When you celebrated 50th year, Jubilee year. What did you see? When they were celebrating this, something came into my mind. And I say, 50 years ago, what the church in Kenya became was as a result of the investment of the missionary. Lord Lee Craft came to preach in, in Mombasa. And that's how Anglican Church began. Peter Cameron Scott left his country in Britain to come and start the african Island Church. What the church was, 50 years at the time of the celebrated celebrated 50 years was 100% investment of the missionary. But think about this. What the church will become 50 years when Kenyans will be celebrating 100 years? You know, if God allows me to live 100 years, I will see it. If God allows me to live 100 years, I will see that celebration. But what I know, I will be powerless, I will be no strength, And maybe you'll be carrying me. I'll be carried. I don't know. But I'll be seeing it. If God allows me to live 100 years. But what the church will become when Kenya celebrates 100 years anniversary will be 100% investment of the Kenyan people. Of you and I. There's no missionary again coming to Kenya. What the church will become 100 years from now is directly linked. Not what the children who are not born will do. No. What you and I, you and I, will do. Will determine what the church will become 100 years from now. That's the danger. You know, when we were born, we had hope. We were learning the stories of these missionaries who came and they labored David Livingstone. These people came and give, gave all. And whether we are going to save our nation or not. It's linked with what you are going to do with the young people today. We have a small number in the head office whose salary is not even assured. The people are getting the of it, the guys who see here, we are not assured, you
0: know,
1: <laughs> I normally tell people when I preach in a preaching church, I say, with you here, we can, you know, we can twist you to give. If I know I'm going to sleep without food, I just come and say, today, God is speaking in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> that you will give. And I'm very sure you can give. In case here, if you don't have a congregation to tell, we don't have. We pray and ask God. God touch people, and they give. That's how they. <laughs> that's how we prepare these materials. See them. That's how we work on them. People from nowhere. We don't call them. We don't talk to them. There are people like Pastor Carla who says the Lord put that as a burden. And the question is, will God put that as a burden in your heart? That's how this big work is going on in the whole nation. It is the least supported ministry, the least in Kenya. But doing the greatest impact, then, you know, maybe you're working, we are working for NGOs like World Vision like Care Kenya those are NGOs with great funding I don't think they can match what KCF achieve in one year I don't think they can't yet material we produce the greatest impact ever made is to transform another person's life we have the greatest opportunity ever as Christians to transform our country through high school in Kenya. This calls for sacrificial service. Giving beyond ourselves for the sake of God's kingdom, those who changed their world made greatest sacrifice. Peter Cameron Scott was called to be a missionary in DRC Congo. With his brother John, they labored to start churches. In Congo. In the process of time, his brother died of yellow fever. And he took him to Britain to bury him. Peter Cameron Scott did not know that when he was in DRC Congo, he had contracted the disease, yellow fever. He went to the doctors. Doctors told him, you have only 14 months to live. You'll die. Waiting for the 14 months to die... One day he's walking across his country. He came to the grave of David Livingstone. And that grave was written upon it, For I have other sheep which I must bring to this fold also. According to Peter Cameron Scott, he felt God was standing before him to speak to him. He left his country. Traveled miles away and came to Kenya. He began to labor in Mombasa and began to preach the gospel. Fourteen months later he died when he was dying, only four people had been converted to Christianity. If Peter Cameron Scott woke up today and see the Africa Inland Church, it began with somebody obeying the voice of God. He never asked who will support me, who will give this, how am I going to live? How am I going to eat? No. To him, it was a mission. It was a calling. He said, the God who has called me, that same God will also sustain my life. Those are the people who made impact in our nation. But now, they are all dead. The question is, who among us will stand and say, God, if I don't go, who will? That's the call. That's the call. And if you don't do it, if you don't rise up to do it, then we must also be very, we must also agree to face the consequences. That's the price we have to pay. Nations who neglected this call, today there's no Christianity in those nations. Those nations were turned, turned into Islamic states because people come to a place where they are in comfort zones. When I was coming to KCF, I was managing a budget of $50 million in a year. I never knew what it means to pray for salary to come. I didn't know. It was always there on 26. Every month, 26, salary main here. I was the national treasurer of KCF, so I knew the struggle. But the battle in my life, would I cling on to this at the expense of God's call? So I released it to link my life with my future. Why do you need to involve in high school ministry? I want to read because you know, some of you will blame me and say, this man came and preached, talked to us without reading the Bible. These are the new preachers in town. They just talk and don't read. So I want to read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I want to link what I've been said with the Bible. The book of Psalm 127, King James Version, it says, law, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man so are children of the youth happy is the man that has his quiver full of them they shall not be ashamed but they shall speak or subdue or destroy with the enemies in the gate Bible says children are a heritage. Children are our inheritance. And because of this, children are the legacy God gives parents so that we can pass along his word and works to the next generation. You can only pass on what you believe, your faith, your lifestyle, your morality, all that is in you, you can only empty them to a younger generation. When you do that, you are securing the future of that nation. You can only pass on what we know, what we have to the young. Whether a nation will survive its Christianity is linked to how effectively Christians are passing on their faith to their children. Children are not just biological products, but those who are to continue on the earth our values, beliefs, and service to the true God. Do you believe in that? Asia Minor lost the battle. Asia, Asia Minor lost the battle. the church in Antioch was built in Asia Minor. The seven churches John writes to were in Asia Minor. Paul the Apostle was born in Tarsus in Asia Minor. Asia Minor was known as the New Jerusalem of the Gentile world. 639, the church became so strong the government of Asia Minor declared that Christianity is the only religion. Christianity, the input Paul and the apostles put in the Asia Minor made Christianity to last in that country for over a thousand years. Today, Asia Minor is Turkey. 97% Islam. Children being born in Asia Minor, when they go to their libraries, they cannot link what they are reading about their history with what they are seeing. They lost the war. They lost the battle. When a nation loses the battle, what happens? Another religion takes over. That's the price of losing about war over the souls of young people. When we lose the battle of the young generation, It's not only that they're going to grow in sin, another religion will take over. And a nation which was known to be a Christian nation become a Buddhist, become a theist, become something more worse. And there are many, many nations which lost it. Why? They did not take heed of what I'm talking about this morning. And the call here, we are not looking for Sunday, Sunday service preachers. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for men and women who will say, I will throw my life into it. You know what Esther said? Esther said, I'll do it. If I lose my life, let me lose it. Esther came to a place where I say that, The whole nation is about to be destroyed. And the only person who can help is me. So I will throw my life into it. I'll go to see the king. If I perish, I perish. That's the call. Men and women who will say, this is our future, this is our life. The politicians we have here in this country can never help. You can never put your trust in the politician. They will never help us. The only thing that will help us, men and women, will say, I'll throw my life into the battle. If I lose, I lose. But if I win, I win. Even if I lose, I will lose the war, but I have put a fight I have put my life and engage the enemy and engage with the future of my nation. I will throw my very life into... You know, the powers, that fight against us are so powerful. The media is anti-Christianity. The big companies like Safaricom are anti-Christianity. They don't support Christian programs. They don't. But it doesn't matter the giants of our day. We have a God in heaven. He's only looking for one person who will say, Here I am, Lord. I will do it. And you have that chance today to do that. Will your God be the God of your children and your children's children? Christianity don't survive because there are many Christians. We are told Kenya is 80% Christians. But the commitment of those in converting its young generation into salvation, the reason the Bible calls them a heritage or inheritance. Paul, John, the apostle, believed in the young people. Listen to what he says in this verse. Second, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Verse 14. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. That is 1 John 2.13. John the apostle believed that for the gospel to prosper and conquer nations, young men and children, he had to invest his life in young men and children. For the church at Ephesus to stand beyond him, And continue the gospel. Apostle Paul knew. Apostle John knew. That he had to invest in young people. For the future. Of his church. For the future. Of his nation. He said I write to you young men. Because you are strong. Those young men. Instead of them going to 10 over 10. To dance and waste their energy. They can be converted. And made the instruments of preaching the gospel. Going out. You see. Last Saturday, I left my house at 4.40 a.m. Then I went to Homer Bay. I drive myself, so I drove to Homer Bay. And at exactly 1, I left Homer Bay, and I was going to Bungoma. And exactly 5, I was in Bungoma. So when I was driving brethren, they came, our leaders came there, they were very excited. So I was driving them, going to see a brother, And my heart was saying, God, do you mean in less than 12 hours we can achieve this much? But what came into my heart is the strength and the energy I have to drive from Nairobi to Bongoma to Homabe will not always be there. It will not always be there. The desire will be there, yes. But that strength and the energy will not always be there. So some of you still have the strength. You still have the energy. You still have the power. Don't start serving God when that energy is all spent. When you can have, the only thing you have is the desire. God, I wish I knew. I I wish I did this. I started this when I was still young. No. Don't wait until that time. When you reach 70, when you reach 80, when I reach 90, The only thing you should be looking back and say, God, thank you, because you you enabled me to use my prime age in serving you. Thank you, Lord. You should not go to your old age with regrets. The only thing you did was drive to church, have a nice preaching, drive home, watch television until midnight. The following day, Monday, you drive to work, eat sausages and break, and come back to the house. Then drive again to work. That's the only business you are doing with your life. That's not how God wants you to live your life. God wants you to rise up, and say one day you look at back and say, God, thank you. You know, I began serving God when I was 24 years age. Prime youth, young. I used it. I'm, I've used it. I've invested it in the service of the Lord and i'm trusting god for the next 30 years. You think i'm dying? No. <laughs> <laughs> the next 30 years will be on the road driving going to going to preach to these to these young boys and girls. Listen to me young people who are here. You have a great future. This is two months you are at home. Do not be troublesome to your parents. You know, some of you are so so troublesome, the prayer your parent is praying right now, God, where is a camp where I'm going to take this daughter? (laughs) Where is the camp? You are so troublesome. You are a headache to your parents. Live a useful life. That when you are at home, you are able to relieve your parent from the hectic of life. Be a useful young person at home. Don't just be a person who sits before the television, you open those TV like Kiss, Kiss FM, Kiss TV. That's what you are watching naked women dancing. That's what you fill your life with. You will ruin your life. Make decisions that will protect you now and protect you into the future. God has called you for greater things. And those things you must must build your life. You must make decisions to ensure that as you are growing up, you are making those decisions that built your life. To the future you know on, on Monday I was preaching in a church to a youth church they called me to speak to their youth and I was telling those youths when I was speaking to them I told them people destroy their lives not when they are 40 years not when they are 50 years they destroy their lives not when they are 30 years people destroy their lives when they are teenagers Your teenage, determine what you become in life. If you look at celebrities like Mike Tyson, people got so much wealth, the wealth they got could not help them to the future because they not built a strong foundation when they were teenagers. So young people must build a strong foundation. You must build yourself on those things which are true, those things which are honest, those things that build your character, that strengthened your inner man. Young girls must grow up making decisions that as young as I am, I'm going to make a decision to stay pure, to, to not to involve in sex. You can't do that if you're watching pornography. You can't do that if you're sexting. You can't do that if you're involving in, in, in this boy-girl relationship. Many girls who did that, they lost their prime age. What they are doing today, they're living in Regret. They have no testimony about their lives. That was a dose. That was a dose for the young, but for the old, I'm calling you to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. No, no, no. Before we pray, (laughs) because you are very ready to pray. Now, (laughs) before we pray, how do you get involved in KCF? You can involve by. Vis- visiting the school, in plan for you have a team here already. Join that team. Number two, you can get involved by joining a team we have to help us develop materials. This is peer-to-peer material. We need experts. So you can say myself, I'll give my time, my knowledge, not even money, just your time, your knowledge, your skill, your expertise. In developing material like this, that's another another thing. You will develop Bible study guides every year. Those Bible study guides needs people to develop. You can invest your life in that. You can also give financially. I've told you we have a budget of thirty million per year, which we never reach. I know thirty million in Kenya, one person can give. If they can still one billion, what is thirty million? One billion is being sold by one person. So one person in Kenya can comfortably give KCF 30 million. And maybe that person is here. You can sponsor students. Every April, we have close to 500 students we support from Moyale, from Lamu, Tana River. We support those students because even their parents don't believe They should be attending Christian meetings. So we talked to friends. How many students can you support with 2,000 Kenya shillings? And with that money, we were able to bring quite a number of students. That's how we began the work in Samburu. The work in Samburu began by brethren supporting a number of students to come to our our national convention. Today, we don't support students in Samburu because students in Samburu told us, now we don't want your support. We can raise our own money to come to the convention. So now next year we are, we are, we are focusing Moyale, Isiolo, Lamu, Tana River. We want to bring them to the national convention where they are impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They go back to Lamu and they begin the work of the Lord. You know, you shall have preached in Lamu. You shall have preached in Lamu by just supporting students to come to a convention. That's the power of the gospel. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. That was Nehemiah 218. Nehemiah was called to build the broken walls. Here God is calling us to rise and build the lives of our children for the prosperity of our nation and the impact it will have in God's kingdom. Will you heed the call? Let's pray. Let's pray for a moment. Talk to God about what is God speaking in your heart. What is it you want to do? How do you want to participate in this? Will this be your agenda for 2020? And if it's going to be your agenda for 2020, then how are you going to get involved? No one will call you. No one will remind you. You will call yourself remind yourself and you are saying here yeah, yeah i want to commit to this i want to commit to this this must be part of my agenda from now our children will be my business i will not allow the devil to destroy my my nation i won't allow the devil to destroy my church devil will not destroy your church you will only destroy young people to ensure that they don't come to church We can go and rescue them. We can go when they are still in school. But that will need a man. That will need a woman. To rise up and say, I'm going to be that man. I'm going to be that woman. That's what I did years ago as a young man. I say, I'm going to stand in the gap for the sake of my nation. For the sake of my people. Father, in Jesus' name, just put up your hand. If you're making any commitment, just put up your hand. I want to pray with you. If you're making any commitment to our nation the biggest contribution we can ever make to our nation is to help our young people grow up in the knowledge of the Lord and you're making that commitment say God this is going to be my priority if that's the decision you're making just put up your hand I want to commit you in the hand of the Lord Father in the name of Jesus I pray for these honest hands these are men and women whom we have been speaking in their hearts Father, thank you for showing them the need in our nation. And thank you for putting it as a burden that they are the people who can meet that need. Father, we are praying even for the 25 schools this church is reaching. That next year we come here, we will hear that this church alone could be reaching 200 schools. We commit this in the mighty hand of the Lord. That even as they raise up to serve you, I'm asking you to rise up to serve them rise up to meet their needs rise up to provide resources rise up to provide the means on which they are going to fulfill this vision i pray for a coverage that you protect their children protect their families against sicknesses and diseases against any accident against any means the devil may use to drain their resources we are praying against it in the mighty name of jesus That my fathers, they are committing their life. You are protecting their health. You are making them healthy, oh God. Any chronic disease will disappear in the name of Jesus. We are praying for a mighty and glorious healing. That these people, oh God, are going to enjoy good health. And they are going to prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you as we cover them with the blood of the Lamb. We pray that God, our nation, is secured by the power of God. The enemy will not destroy our children. Father, we are securing this nation by the name of Jesus Christ. We are not going to go the way of Asia Minor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the pastor and the leadership of the church that my Father make this church to prosper in every way, O God. Even as they open up to support your work, Father, you are rising up to support them. You are going rising up to provide the resources. You are rising up to raise up men and women with a commitment and dedication that will serve you, O oh God. We thank you that you're going to strengthen the families which are here. You are going to strengthen the families we have here. Father, we stop every divorce in Jesus' name. We are speaking your salvation in every home. Father, we thank you that no child will be destroyed with drugs. No child will be destroyed through sexual immorality. No child will be destroyed by the worldliness of this world. You are covering every child with the blood of Jesus. My Father, you are bringing conviction and your salvation into them, our God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We magnify you. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen.